Many of you have been following our reporter on the road, the delightful Carolyn Jasinski, who stopped off for a few days on her half lap of Australia on the east coast at beautiful Coolum. That's in Queensland, of course. There she met a family of five who've been on a two-year trip around the country in a, and wait for it, 17-foot caravan. She spoke to Rich Bolus, who not only works remotely while travelling, but also produces a podcast called The Dad Mindset. One of the great joys I have when we go away is meeting people and meeting people who do really fascinating things. Now, I'm in Coolum Beach on the Sunshine Coast, and it's on the east coast of Australia for anyone who's listening from overseas, and it's one of those places, it's a tourist mecca. All Aussies come up here to get away from southern winters and to enjoy the sun, the quirkiest person I have met here and with a lovely family is Rich Bowlers. How are you, Rich? I'm good, thanks, Karen. Welcome. Thank you for chatting to me. Now, we met and we had a, a geeky bonding moment over doing podcasts because we discovered that we both do them and we both love writing and creating and chatting to people. Tell me, what is the name of your podcast? It's called The Dad Mindset. Right. Now, you've been doing this for about four years, haven't you? Yeah. How many episodes? I just clocked over 100. 100 episodes. So, this is one fascinating thing about Rich. But the other thing is he's traveling with his family. So, there's Rich, there's lovely wife Sarah, three kids. There's Annika, Amelie and Will and two dogs in a caravan for two years. Now, Rick and I are traveling with our dog and we thought that was an effort. <laughs> We're loving it, mind you. It's great. Road tripping is fantastic. But I cannot imagine the logistics of traveling with the whole family and working full-time on the road and doing podcasts as well. <laughs> so, Rich, tell us what your day job is. So, I'm an environmental consultant for Pangolin Associates. Yep. And, and what does that involve? When you when you wake up in the morning and you're in a caravan park surrounded by people relaxing, having coffee, and the kids are getting ready for school, I imagine? Well, to be honest, the biggest thing for me in the morning is kicking everyone out so I can have the <laughs> caravan as my office. Ah. Um, but the deal really has been because we have so many clients all around Australia, especially regional councils, and, mm-hmm. and after COVID, I just figured everyone – loves to meet in real life it's yes. so much better than zoom meetings yes and i figured this was an opportunity to touch base with a whole bunch of our clients that we hadn't met maybe at all and really just gives that bit of um tlc i guess and to the, clients and the personal touch yeah. Yeah, yeah and so i've been meeting with a whole bunch of businesses and, and councils that we've worked with in previous years and it's been fabulous the response everyone's been just open the doors oh it's great let's catch up for a coffee and you know, you know just reconnecting and in the meantime sarah's been taking the kids out from basically eight thirty in the morning until five thirty at night wow and they've just been doing i'd say pretty much loose schooling right but just exploring and going on adventures and going to museums zoos you know feeding dolphins all that kind of amazing stuff that you want to do on a trip around australia but getting to do it kind of full time so you miss out a little bit i do but that was the that was the trade-off. That's the trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to I get to play at the weekends, <laughs> and uh, I actually only work nine days a week, uh, fortnight, so every other Friday I get to you play You get off. Well. Yeah. yeah. We saw you the other morning 
hopping off, going down to the beach for for a swim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. We're at the um, Coolum Beach Holiday Park, and the only reason I'm saying this is to let you know we're right on the beach. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's one of the coolest places we've mm. stayed, and the beach at low tide, there is just so much space, yeah. and we're right on the the edge of a dog-friendly beach, which is quite hard to find in some of the Surprisingly eastern so. seaboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There's so many signs saying, you know, no dogs here. <laughs> and so to let them off the leash as well, and they're just having the best time. Yeah. But back to back to you in the mornings. <laughs> Logistics. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think how that works. So we get up and, and it's a it's it's a routine, but because we're in a motorhome, you have to pack everything up to get going. Now, I know you base yourself in one spot for about a week, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. So we travel at the weekends and get to you know play on a day or something like that, and then we set routes down for a week. And okay. Sarah explores from there, like in a radius, and then we move on the next week. We, right. we stayed two weeks in Cairns. And that's the longest we've stayed anywhere. Right. So how far have you where, – where is home? Is it – Torquay in Victoria. In Victoria. So yeah. you've you've come a long way up the coast. How far up did you get? So we went up to Cairns and then Sarah went up to Port Douglas with the kids and oh, said, beautiful. oh, we should have stayed there. Uh. And I was like, oh, great. Show me some photos. <laughs> so, but, um, so, yeah, that, that was really good. And now we're we, – we really raced up as fast as we could because we wanted to get – Basically, out of winter. Yes. And then also, we didn't want to be in Cairns in the height of in summer. In the wet season, and so, yeah. And so, once we got up there, as quick, I mean, I think we did three stops. Right. Um, yeah, we, we did basically uh, Sydney, you um, up to Gold Coast, Agnes Water, Yapoon, and then up to Cairns. That's a... That's yeah. a, a cycling trip, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of mileage. <laughs> but um, And then we're wending our way down. Right. And so, so how far do you travel each day? Um, we've done some blistering days, but that was on the race up. And now coming down, probably do like three, four hours on a Saturday. Okay. Um, so it's not too bad now. Yeah. So you get to see, you get to see a little bit. The, kid, yeah, the yeah. kids, what an education. I reckon they would be learning a lot. It's, yeah. There's nothing like... Life experience. Is well, it? It's interesting because Will was really struggling with his reading, um, uh, like at school, and really, you know, saying things like he, uh, say he felt dumb and stuff like that. Yeah, I oh. think because the other kids were racing ahead and he okay. just wasn't there yet. Yep. And as soon as we almost like took the break, uh, well, put a break on and uh, changed the, the, it. Yeah, we Ch- changed changed the, the the focus. Yeah, and he didn't have that pressure. He actually started reading within about two weeks of being on the trip. And he was pointing out signs and then wanting to buy books from the op shops. And op shops have been a big part of this. Op shops are magnificent. (laughs) I have to tell for anyone overseas, another name is a charity shop. Charity shop or a thrift shop. I'm a huge fan. I love them. (laughs) And if you good ones are Oh, absolutely and if if you run out of something or you break a plate or a casserole dish, you can go to the op shop and just the only thing I'm running out of is space now because the kids (laughs) and Sarah are addicted to op shopping. So we, we, we really need to be a bit more diligent with like one in, one out. Uh, Rich, you have the best hack for stories that I've seen. You can buy these tents that are called toilet tents. Yeah. And, you and can it's, a shower, yeah, it's a shower tent on one side and a toilet and a toilet tent on the other. But Rich and the family use it for storage. So when they get to a place and, and have to set up the caravan again, all the stuff yeah. comes out and gets put into this. Yeah. And it's a great, great change room. For the girls as well. They get a bit so, of privacy because yeah. there is not a lot of privacy in a, no. in a 17-foot van. No, especially not with the whole family. So tell me, 
Look, it fascinates me because Sarah's taken on the role of teacher, mum, and escape artist because she's got to get the kids out of the <laughs> yeah. caravan for you to work. Yeah. That's a huge job. She's way better at that stuff than me anyway. Like, <laughs> it, I was actually gutted when during COVID lockdown because Sarah is a secondary school trained – well, she, she used to be a secondary school teacher. Then she went back and studied – uh, early years uh, mm-hmm. to become a kinder teacher and then she's also studied like forest school and all that sort of stuff and and she's an environmental interp as well so she's just got it in spades and I was gutted that she was having to teach other people's kids during lockdown and not well, yours I was at home holding down a full-time oh, job looking after three kids in lockdown because she was an essential worker right yeah yeah, after, yeah. You know, um, uh, other people's kids at kinder so now the tables have turned yeah this is fantastic. So tell me, the forest teacher, this fascinates me. Yeah. This is taking kids out into the environment, isn't it? Yeah. In- so it's a concept that came from Scandinavia, and the idea was they just have schools out in the woods. And it's, you know, whatever you do in a normal class, you essentially do outdoors, and you're just exploring nature and then learning through activities and doing stuff. That's and- so good. It's, it's, uh, and again, if you... If you take Will as a, as a great example, if they're struggling with traditional teaching and this is an optional, it's an alternative way and they can thrive. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, we, we have a similar thing. It's like bush kinder, mm-hmm. you know, where a lot of kinders in Australia do one day a week where they do bush kinder and they go, you know, out and set up a toilet tent in the woods and then they're just exploring. But it flips it and it's like the whole school is that even in like the worst weather. So the kids just have to, you know, that German proverb like no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate choice of clothing. That's right. And it's it's kind of like camping with a yeah, whole family. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But um, Sarah found that she and she's done a lot of work in kinder, uh, kinder so over the last few years, and she's found that even the kids that you know are usually branded the the trouble kids or the problem children, mm-hmm. as soon as you put them in an outdoor setting they're no longer problems. Okay. And so it's not actually the kids that are the problem, it's the environment. And right. even some of the kinders that she's worked in are amazing, but they're just not as outdoor as outdoor. Right. And so once you get kids in that setting, she said half the time, she she has a, the process is to sort of follow and identify where the kids are leaning. Yeah. And then you, you don't teach them. There's no set plan. You just support what they're doing. So if they find, I don't know, a, a shell washed up on the beach and they, they're really interested in it, then you start asking questions about it and diving into it. And then the next session, you might take them to another place where there's different shells and then, you know, shells uh, are their gig. Yeah, and yeah. So you can actually explore other concepts through something they're into. And focus on what they love. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Now let's go back to the mindset, the dad mindset. How did this start? It was actually Annie's, Annika's ninth birthday, and there was a birthday party, and I looked across, and I was like, oh, my gosh, in a blink of an eye, she's turned nine. In two blinks of an eye, she's going to be 18. And I just didn't feel like I was lifting my dad game anywhere near commensurate with how quickly she was growing. I was like, I'm struggling to manage being a parent with a nine-year-old. How am I going to deal with a, you know, when I have, like, teenage kids? So it was kind of self-imposed therapy. Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, I, and that was the thing. So I started out sort of, and I chatted to loads of friends that were uh, inspirational. Like they were great dads and they had certain, like my friend Will in Japan, he was my best friend when I was over in Japan for four years. And his, he had such an amazing relationship with his daughter. He basically looked, uh, was the primary carer because his wife was paid way more than him. And so she would work and he would stay home. But um, he, 
he was like, I went to him and said, oh, Will, tell me all about how you do this. And so I learned that. And then another friend over here, oh, how do you do that? And I was just picking the brains of... What did you feel like you were lacking in? Just any kind of model for how to turn up as a parent. And I think what I identified, it wasn't about the hacks. Well, it started out being about the hacks. But when I came down to it, it ended up being I had to fix my own baggage and issues. Okay. And so really, it has been my therapy. Oh, yeah. It's been... <laughs> Uh, it's been such a journey of like just diving into, because I found that like the more you can show up with without your own baggage, then the kids are so much easier. So, to, to, to so give me an example of one of the things that you've looked at. So, I find that yeah, it's putting so, you on the so spot. No, 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 yeah, no, so hundred and one episodes. I can, no, I can, I can exa- <laughs> give you an example. Like I remember at one point I was wheeling the wheelbarrow, and, and Will came up, and he was going on about something frantically but really angrily or whatever and it was one of those moments where I was like oh my gosh I didn't get triggered by that and it was almost like I remember a time when I would have instantly been triggered and on guard and we'd have been like at each other because it was that sort of and I was just very peaceful I was like Okay, well, let's look at this. And I just didn't take any of my baggage to the okay. Now I know the what situation. you mean. Right? Yeah. And then we worked it through, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that that's that's amazing." So when you come up with the ideas for the podcast, do you is it you talking or is it you interviewing people? It, it's or? me scratching an itch. And oh. so recently, I interviewed someone called Lucy Peach, who's amazing, and she she wrote a book called The Period Queen. And for me, I had no idea about the menstrual cycle. And I've got two teenage daughters. Yeah, and a wife. And a wife. And I was like, I think I, I, I really feel like I need to know. Yeah, I, I want to actually understand what's going on here a little bit more because it, it's such a, you know, kept behind a, yeah. a wall of secrecy. Yeah. And uh, so, and Lucy's amazing. She took me on this amazing journey and, and I learned so much. Oh, her, that's cool. Her podcast is, um, is hilarious and, and insightful all at once. And so... It's, it's things like that. And then, you know, Kevin Kelly is a guy that I've really respected, an author. He's written so many amazing books. He was the editor-in-chief at Wired magazine for years and years. And, like, I really really respected him. And then he launched a book called All About, like, Advice. I think it's something like um, Advice I Wish I'd Had. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. I can't remember the title. But anyway, so I got him on the show and, and just picking his brains how he's approached parenting and what he's learned and some of the takeaways were amazing like rituals like the value of building rituals into your family okay is so cheap but the benefit the upside is huge and so we have this so, ritual where we we have like pancakes every sunday morning and it's just baked into the the week now oh, and so i good. look forward to yeah. it the kids look forward to it we know what's going to happen and it's great and then other friends like no, so I've interviewed a bunch of psychologists and Jason Frischman is a psychologist in Canada and, and he has this great ritual of going away on New Year's Eve, like New Year, with four of the families. And they just spend like a whole two weeks together as families and, and they just completely circuit break and there's no expectations, there's no travelling. And this just, is a plan that's done. Yeah, it's yeah. a ritual every year. The family, the kids, everyone looks forward to it. And you're quite right. It's the things like that that you remember. I, I remember my nana cooking us a roast dinner every Sunday and that was our ritual. you look forward to. Yeah, and I'd never looked at it as a ritual. That was just what you did every Sunday. You yeah. had a roast with... Nana, in school holidays, I used to go up and stay with them because my mum worked and we would, my granddad would watch cricket 
and 10 o'clock every morning we would have sesame wheat biscuits with cheese on them and a cup of tea. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, you I would never forget that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. If people want to tune in and listen to your podcast, where would they go? Just thedadmindset.com or just look up The Dad Mindset on Spotify or Apple. Or wherever you get your yeah. your podcast from. Podcast fix. Thank you so much. I'm going to tune in now and listen to it. And that's it. We, that's all right. Don't worry about the alarm. We can finish oh, so, Sorry. That was wonderful. Carolyn Jasinski gets some fascinating stories when she's on the road, and this conversation with Rich Bolas is yet another one.